0: Hey, welcome to The Centre Podcast. We're a church based in Dural, Sydney, who love Jesus and want to share the message of hope that he brings for all people. We pray that you're blessed by this word and that it reveals God's love for you in a new way. Enjoy. Well, good morning, everybody. Let's hope that my kids are behaved. Rachel is currently down at Batemans Bay on photography, so... Lou is playing babysitter today. Thank you, Lou. Well, we finish up our series of pruning with something I've called pruning work, a.k.a. Sabbath. Sabbath. Now, since the pandemic, most people have no division between work and rest. There's this culture now that you must always be on doesn't matter if you clock off the office at 5 o'clock. There's an expectation now that if you have one of these, you are contactable 24 hours a day. And so it's quite common for people in different professions to be working to 10 o'clock, 12 o'clock, 1am at night. There are people there who are nodding in agreement. I'm sure there are people here who feel that. There's this state now that we need to be hyper-vigilant. Work, 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 work. And that's okay for a period, but overwork has consequences. Now, we've all heard of the phrase flight or fight. Yes? Yeah, and why do we do that? Why does the body get into the flight or fight mode? Does someone want to call out? Why do we do that? Adrenaline. Adrenaline. Why? Well, what's, what, what are we doing? What are we responding to? If you're fighting or you're running away... Stress, pressure, emergencies, okay? So short-term, short the body can handle that. The, the automatic nervous system, your, your adrenal glands start to pump adrenaline, your heart rate increases, your pupils dilate. Actually, your, your hunger functions will switch off. You are ready to combat some sort of emergency. Now, that's good short-term. Short-term, that gives you adrenaline. You can act when there's something wrong. But when you have that all the time, that causes problems. You start getting heart problems. Increased blood pressure will just put this pressure on your heart. You are at risk a stroke. You risk of depression. It's like putting a car into neutral and just putting your foot in an accelerator. It's not good for the car. It's the same if you're hypervigilant all the time. It's not good For the body. Uh, I found a quote here from this is a middle manager. Her name is Chloe. And she says, This is about the work culture that's happened now. I go, It's just the culture we work in. I wish there was a way that there was a better way for work life balance and to respect personal boundaries. But it just comes with the job, it's just an inherent expectation. Now, do you think God's intention for us as humans is to work? Work, 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 work. No, no, no way. God doesn't intend work to become imprisonment. He intends it to be liberating, this expression of being made in his image. Now, there's sort of two streams of work, economies, if you will, that... The first one is pharaoh's economy you can work for pharaoh or secondly you can have sabbath economy i'll say again there's sort of two economies two ways to work you can work for pharaoh or you can work for sabbath now how if when i say a pharaoh economy what do you think that means Oh, was that tyranny yes you're a slave yeah that's pharaoh's economy it's tyranny you're a slave there is no work now sabbath economy what do you think that might mean one day off rest yeah balance all good stuff pharaoh's economy obviously i've riffed that off from exodus Exodus chapter 1, it tells us when the Israelites grew and grew in numbers and they became so great, the Egyptians panicking that if enemies attacked them, that the Israelites would fight against the Egyptians. So they put them into slavery. And we're told here in Exodus chapter 1 from verse 11, So they put slave masters over them to oppress them with forced labor. And they built Pitmoth and Rameses as store cities for Pharaoh. But the more they were oppressed the more they multiplied and spread. So the Egyptians came to dread the Israelites and worked them ruthlessly. They made their lives bitter with harsh labor in bricks and mortar and with all kinds of work in the fields. In all of their harsh labor, the Egyptians worked them ruthlessly. What's the overriding message of that? They worked them ruthlessly. Just this endless stream of work. Uh, Some commentators have noticed that Pharaoh is like a serpent figure. You know, in the garden we have the serpent who disrupts humanity, disrupts God's good paradise. In a way, Pharaoh acts in that way too. He is like a serpent-like figure that oppresses people, that gives them no rest. See, See, Sabbath economy, it's based off creation. And creation is really, really simple. God creates for six days, and then there's a day of rest. And what some commentators have noticed is that on the sixth day, God creates humans, and humans are made in God's image. And in this strange way, humans reflect God, not so much in that God's spirituality, but in the ability to rule and the ability to create, like God. So if humans are called to go out and rule and subdue over the earth as image bearers of God, there's this purpose to work. But on the very next day, on the seventh day, there is rest. So as image bearers, there's an expectation of work, but there's also rest. There's some fun little facts here about the seventh day, in the original Hebrew is that Genesis, what we call Genesis 2 verses 1 to 3 in Hebrew, there's 35 Hebrew words. Now, mathematicians out there, what number is 35 divided by? I'm looking at you, Jost. Pardon? Seven. Okay, and what day of the week is the rest on? Seven. All right. So there's these little hints here, even in the text, that the seventh day is really important. Another fun, one little fact here for you, which you can tell at a dinner party if you're ever there one day. Hebrew, Genesis chapter 2, verses 2 and 3 in Hebrew, that's three Hebrew sentences. And guess how many words are in those sentences? Seven. And guess what words in the middle of that sentence can anyone guess? Rest. Yeah, seventh day. Rest. There's this pattern. The, the, I've said it before. The Hebrews, they didn't paint pictures. They painted with their words. The whole creation narrative, it's about, yeah, God is creator. But it's pointing to this importance of God's day of rest. Now, rest is probably not the best term in English, because when you think of the word rest, what comes to mind? Sleep. Now, I've had this question asked to me, how can God rest? It's a great question. So the word um, sabbat, which we translated rest, probably could be better as cease. It's not like God rested because he was tired. God ceased because he was finished. Now, what's interesting about the Sabbath is that, unlike all the other creation days, God fills it with His holiness. It's not a day of work, it's a day of holiness that is set apart for humans and God. Uh, commentator John Salhammer, he he notes that in Genesis in particular, it sets up all these events which will come up later. In future texts or in the New Testament. And so he argues that with the seventh day of rest, it's anticipating what God's going to do in the rest of Scripture. Does that make sense? So you read back in time and go, okay, in the first creation week, there's six days of work, one day of rest. Therefore, that idea of rest is going to come up again and again throughout Scripture. And that's kind of the point of the Exodus, is that we've just read in Exodus 1, the Israelites are working under the tyranny of Pharaoh. Life is miserable. Life is difficult. But you read back into Genesis chapter 1 and 2, and you're like, okay, there's a, there's a day of rest. So therefore, it means God's going to put this pattern in place. And that's where it comes In Exodus, and what Lucinda read out from us, this is actually the fourth commandment. That's a fun fact there. And I'll reread it here. It comes up twice, actually. There's two sets of ten commandments, one in Exodus and one in Deuteronomy. And this is how important it is for God's people. This is the Exodus 20 version. It says, Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that's in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. I read that, we're like, oh yeah, that's nice. That's nice we get a rest. But think of the context that's delivered in to a people that have never had rest, to a people that for 430 years have lived as slave. Now suddenly, it's not just for the wealthy, not just for the elite. Everyone gets a rest. And in the Exodus version of the Sabbath commandment, it's tied into creation. This is what God did, so therefore, you must do it likewise. Then in Deuteronomy chapter 5, and juto means two or second in Greek, so this is a repeat of the law. In Deuteronomy chapter 5, when Moses reiterates the Ten Commandments, he changes the reason for Sabbath of observance. He says, Observe the seventh by keeping it holy, as the Lord your God has commanded you. Six days you shall labor, and the seventh day is a Sabbath day. You shall not do any work, and it repeats again, you know, your sons, your daughter, male or female servants, not any animals or the foreigners. Here's the justification for it. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt, that the Lord your God brought you out there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. There's two reasons in Bible. Firstly, this is the pattern God set in place. Six days of work, one day of rest. That's what you remember. You are image bearers of God and you need to be like Him. Secondly, you remember the Sabbath day because you yourselves were slaves. You guys were building bricks non-stop for Pharaoh. Remember that. And it's important here because this is why they, they reiterates everyone, son, daughter, male and female servant, animals, foreigners. For the wealthy people, there's a temptation. You know what? I'm going to take a rest. You are going to work. God's saying, no, 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 no. You're not going to be like mini pharaohs. Everyone in society Under my covenant, will experience rest. It's actually a fun little fact that I learnt this week, is that after the Ten Commandments are given in Exodus 21, there's all these commandments about servants, about what you're supposed to do with a slave or a servant that you buy. It's like, this seems just so utterly random. And one commentator I read, he said that the point of that, all these commandments about slaves that you're buying, is that you've just read The Ten Commandments. You've just agreed to follow as Yahweh's servants. Now you yourselves need to be like mini Yahweh's. If you're a leader, if you're a master, you cannot be like a pharaoh. You must treat those beneath you with respect and dignity. Many of our major corporations... They live in fairer economies. If you ever Google how Amazon treats employees, it's frankly disgraceful. They are underpaid, overworked, and it's just well known. There's a reason why when I order something from Amazon and it comes there the next day is because there are people busting their gut to get it there on time. And Amazon isn't the only company that has what I would call a fairer economy, a fairer view to life, and some of there are trapped in that, trapped in this world of people over profits. But perhaps some of us are actually trapped. I shouldn't say people, profits over people. Perhaps some of us are trapped with profits over people by our own making. We're not stuck in a company that's a slave master driving us. We're actually trapped. In our own form of slavery, we work, 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 work because of some idol, some need in our life. There's, the Israelites are builders. They're either builders for Pharaoh and his economy or they're builders for the Sabbath economy. Now, Exodus chapter 1 tells us that the Israelites are, are building. Um, these in these storage cities of uh, you know, what's they called of Python and Ramesses, these store cities with bricks that eventually don't have straws. And the point of these storage cities was to ensure that Pharaoh held wealth. Agriculture is big business. If you control all the food, you have all the power. And so here are the Israelites building to increase Pharaoh's wealth. That's slavery. But in this Sabbath economy, the Israelites are still builders. But you know what they build this time? They build a tabernacle. They build this beautiful tent in order for Yahweh to be worshipped. They live in their fields and their lands and they work their six days a week in order to honour, in order to glorify God in their activities and the things that... That they do. Um, if you are doing the small group questions, here's a, I'm going to give you a little the answer to this one. If you're going to the small group question, I actually get you guys to read Exodus chapter one and then read Exodus chapter sixteen. And the question I've asked along the lines of, what is the difference in how Pharaoh and the Israelites are working? And for those that don't know what Exodus sixteen is about, it's about when the Israelites first get the manna. Now, one of the commandments with the manna is that they're not to store up too much manna in the tent. And then on the, um, on the Friday, so the day before the Sabbath, they collect double portion of the manna so they can have enough for the next day. And as the Israelites are collecting, some of them actually decide, Ah, you know what, I'm going to collect on the Sabbath anyway. And Moses is furious that seems like this sort of odd thing. Like, why, why would they be so cranky about storing up food? And it ties back in with this whole Pharaoh imagery. Hey, what was Pharaoh? What were you doing for Pharaoh? You were building these silos to increase his wealth. But for you guys, no. You don't do this. You rely on God each and every day. It's a difference. Um, manna is an act of faith. It's an act of relying on God for your daily bread, not on building these huge silos to get lots of wealth. Um, some people think the Exodus, they would read it and say it's about freedom. And yes, yeah, sure, sure, it is definitely about freedom. But it's actually deep, more deeply, it's about a dependence upon God and for him to provide for your needs. I was reading in a book this week about a farming community that each Sunday, they actually didn't do any work, even when it was harvest time. They said rather than actually being poorer, they became wealthier. Because this is of like, well, if I'm not working the crops today, this is going to sit there, I have to have trust in God that he will provide. Now, most of us here aren't in farming communities, but as COVID has taught us, our jobs are fragile, aren't they? One little virus coming out of Wuhan, China, shut the whole world down. Life is fragile. And if you're a university student, to a retiree there's a fragility to life there's a fragility to wealth each and every one of us are still reliant upon God for providing for our daily bread and part of taking that day off it's you have to just step out in faith and go you know what I'm going to leave my crops I'm going to leave my animals for a day when I was at Bible college, our lecturers would encourage and say, take one day off. Even if your assignment is due Monday night and you need to get it done over the weekend, you take that Saturday off. You take that Sunday off. They say, God will honor that. God will bless that. There's something about it. You just instead of just being work, 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 working for Pharaoh, living under a Sabbath economy, it's freeing. It's liberating. Uh, I mentioned before creation, the idea of creation, it sets up a template for what we're to expect in the future. God, six days of work, one day of rest. And we see that pattern transferred into the Israelites. And so when we get to the time of Jesus, Jesus himself has come to bring Sabbath rest. And on that Sabbath morning, when he's in the tabernacle in Well, not tabernacle, in the synagogue in Nazareth. And Jesus unrolls that scroll. And Luke recounts to us in Luke chapter 18, verse 19. Jesus reads these words. says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. And that year of the Lord's favour, it's what most commentators would argue is called the Jubilee. And Israel, they had this phenomenal system, which I don't think you could repeat anywhere in the world, is that every seventh year, your debts were wiped, wiped away completely. So if you lost your, say, let's pretend you're a woman and you lose your husband and you lose your sons, and you have no way to pay off your debts, you would sell yourself into as a bonded servant, voluntarily to ensure your debts were paid. And what would happen is, after that seventh year, it was wiped away. And it kind of just kept going. It didn't matter that if you sold yourself as a bond servant on the sixth year, that debt was wiped away. And what would happen is that, every 7th of 7th year, 49 years, and the 50th well, what was proclaimed a jubilee. And so say if you're that woman that you sold your family lands to, this, uh, to a, a master, you would get those family lands back. The idea is God didn't want poverty in his society. God didn't want there to be oppression. He wanted there to be freedom. And that's what Jesus has come to do. And he's come to give us the true jubilee, the true rest. In fact, in Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, Jesus says, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now I'm gonna plug banter this week because we don't have space to talk about it in the sermon. The question is why do Christians take the Sunday off and not the Saturday? But the 32nd answer is, is that Jesus has come as a fulfillment of that. He himself declared, I am the rest. He said, if you're weary and heavy laden, come, I will give you rest. Jesus is resurrected on the first day of the week And Christians, they recognize that, well, we're new creations. So, therefore, we worship on the first day of the week to celebrate the new life that we have in Jesus. But in Jesus, rest is important. Because humans aren't designed to work, 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 work. We're designed to work and rest. In the book of Revelation, it gives us a little snapshot of those who are redeemed and saved working before the throne of God. And there's no more pain, no more tears, no more sun beating down on them. There is work that has meaning. But there's also this perfect rest that is found in Jesus. One of the things that I love about the Exodus is it sets up this this template of scripture of people needing to be released. And for the Israelites, they literally were rescued from slavery, from the pharaoh economies that had oppressed them. But Jesus has come to do something greater, to rescue us from the slavery of sin. In fact, Jesus himself, he told the Jews in John chapter 8, he says, this is from verse 34, Very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. And he says in verse 36, So if the sun sets you free, you will be free indeed. Before I finish up, I recognize that many of you here have finished work. The idea of a Sabbath rest is like, nah, well, I'm not working anymore. I kind of have every day off. The importance of that six plus one pattern is, and remember, creation sets up a template for what's to come. And so we should pick a day. And Paul says, hey, for some, some days will be special. For others, eh, it's not so special. But we should pick a day where we reflect upon what God has done. Reflect upon the the salvation that's happened in history past and what's going to happen into the future. That day of perfect rest where no more pain, no more tears, and no more suffering. Friends, our world as we know it's very very busy the the culture of always being on it's not going to stop anytime soon we need to do is make a conscious decision i'm going to step out in faith i'm going to take some time off and trust that god will provide god will provide financially god will provide that just the work will get done even when i take it off god will provide that the assignment will get written All that God will provide, the housework will get done. Where it is, whatever day it is, take a rest. Take some time to prune work and bask in the Sabbath glory that God has bestowed on us. Let me pray for us. Father, we just give you thanks uh, that you did just give the pattern in creation. Six days of work, one day of rest. Lord's image bears you, we want to reflect you, Lord, in that. To reflect the day we can just take off whatever it may be, Lord, to just rest in you, to honor you, to glorify you. And Father, I pray now as we just live in a society that is so busy, that is so overworked, to be able to just take that time to pause, to rest, to pray. To be sanctified in that day with your holiness. And Lord, as Jesus has come, the one to bring the year of the Lord's favor, one to set us free from the oppression of sin and slavery. Let's look forward to that day where we can just rest in you for eternity. It's in your name we pray this. Amen.